You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. How many people are excited to be in church today? Okay, just like me and thank you. Right, thank you so much for coming in this evening. Um, I am going to ask, I'm going to really crave your indulgence on this. We're going to need one more of those. Um, that we please, if there's a seat in front of you, or if there are several seats in front of you, please let's use, like, feel free and use one. Do you understand? Because, like, we're not that many. And I feel like, um, yeah, like, there's no, I mean, the angels are filling the seats, but, you know, you can bounce them just temporarily. Okay, now you, Sabi. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for indulging me on this. Um, so here at the exchange, what we try and do is we want to make it as conversational as possible. So we ask, there's still one in front. Uh, who's that at the back? There we go. Awesome. We love you. We, we prepared a seat specially for you. And it's not the one you're about to... Okay. All right. It's fine. Okay. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. We're really excited to have you. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to continue in our teaching on the Love DNA series. But today we're going to be asking questions and just looking for ways to engage so that um, we have practical insights. One of the things that God does for us, the Bible says that um, uh, his love will abound yet more and more so that we have knowledge and practical insight. And so what we're hoping to do today is as we share, we'll give you guys practical tips that you can use. Like for instance, just um, today, we asked PG, like, so um, last week, Pastor Dami had spoken to us about ending relationships, you know, the Christian way. Um, and we had asked her, like, so what does that mean in practice? But, you know, Pastor Dami is undercovering. So she said we should wait for her senior pastor to come so he can give us the deeper, you know, Christian ways to end relationships. So we asked him again today that, sir, um, you know, when people end their relationships, they usually start off with, you know, I know you're a great guy. I know you're a great girl. Um, but you know it's just not working between us there's no connection there's no vibe um, you know and it's not you it's me you know um, and I know that there's somebody out there who's perfect for you you know and so we've heard the rhymes before so we asked him and he gave us some practical insights um, now if you weren't here in the morning I would advise that you go and listen to the SoundCloud because even me I'm going to go back and take some lines down just in case I don't plan to use it but just in case Anyway, so thank you so much for joining us. Um, today I have the special privilege of having two of our favorite pastors in the Elevation Church um, to share with us today. Um, so if you guys would please give a warm life point welcome to Pastor Sean Folayo. Please, you can come up, sir. Sir, you can come up. Thank you so much, sir. And our very own Pastor Felicia Baramasi, or PFG as we call her. Yes, please. I'll sit in the middle. Absolutely. Awesome. So, um, so what I'm going to do is, obviously, I'll start things off, um, and I'll ask my, my last born over there to please help us get a microphone, because um, we're going to pass that around and ask you guys questions. Oh, yeah, really blood of my blood. Well done, sir. Um, and so what I'll do is I'll, I'll ask them a few questions, just very softball questions so that they can knock that out of the park. And then once they've done that, we'll now ask them the tough, tough stuff. So, um, yes. Uh, once again, let's put our hands together and just welcome them. We're so happy to have you here. So, uh, Pastor Sean, can I start off with you? And um, I guess we want to know just a little bit about you and how you met your 
wife, how that whole yes, this that's what this is 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 softball questions just to get soft. you yes yeah, soft. If that's the soft, that, no, that's my point. <laughs> we start off soft and then we go to the harder stuff. How, how did I meet my wife? How did it all, I mean, give us the bars you gave her, all the lyrics, you know. Okay. You know, I, I imagine in those days, you know, apple of my eye, you know, sugar in my tea was kind of the in. It's not that long ago. It's like, it's like in those, those days. It's not in the 40s. Okay. Good evening, everyone. Um, glad to be here uh, to see your faces and uh, want to appreciate everyone leading here and pastoring this house. Uh, we hear amazing stories out of Life Point, you know, um, and uh, really grateful for what God is doing here. I'm sharing platform with Folusha for the second time in something in a few weeks. We should probably monetize this, you know. If you want to have us together, you pay a certain amount. <laughs> All right. Um, so how did, how did I meet my wife? Okay. Um, so we met in the house of the Lord. Very boring. <laughs> okay, so, so what had happened was, uh, okay, now 2011, we were, we were actually here, right? 2011, we're already using here. So we, okay, we, didn't meet, we met at Magnolia Hall. Uh, so Elevation Church started um, 10th of October 2010, like you all know. And uh, my wife joined us. I was part of the launch team. My wife started attending around November that same year, just a month after. So she would come in for midweek service. She was friends with Pastor TJ and a few Ife people. You know, Ife people can be a bit loud. I don't know why. Yeah. So, so I mean, I, I work quite closely with Pastor TJ as well. Pastor TJ and I were in the same office. So I'll just notice maybe I'm in a conversation with Pastor TJ. And this, you know, young lady just starts bouncing around and all bright and shining and, you know, excited. And I'm like, ah, who is this? Calm down. Come on. <laughs> you know, ball of energy. If anybody knows my wife, you know she's just like that. You know, so after a while, I'm like, okay, I like what I see, you know. So introduce myself, but just kept it somewhere there. But I, after a while, around that time, so I had a breakup, um, you know, uh, you guys are learning now how to break relationship. We didn't, <laughs> I didn't have such benefits. Just place a call. I'm not doing it again. Sorry. See you. <laughs> uh, so I, okay, so I did. Uh, nice person because she had mentally checked out of relationship. So I, when I found out I was the only person in the relationship, <laughs> I, was, I was the only one in the relationship. I just had to, you know, place the call, formalize it, and that was it. So I wasn't um, looking around so much around that time. But uh, she did make an impression on me and I did started, you know, just wondering who is this and all of that. Uh, so after a while, I started praying and, you know, started getting some revelations around her. Mm. And um, you know, started doing my findings. So, so what, what I what I did, um, so because I was a bit of a, I was among the leaders in church. I was a bit skeptical about asking the lady that was starting a relationship, and then doesn't work well, and you end up chasing a church member away because we're not that many, you know. And I, I mean, I can I could just put myself in her shoes. You're just trying to start the, join this young church and you're dating one of the young pastors and then relationship doesn't work out and people will start pointing fingers and looking at you funny. And of course, I would go... So I, I was a bit quite um, careful around that. So what I did basically was to do a bit of uh, FBI. So I was digging up 
uh, you know, uh, history, digging up a whole lot about her. She didn't know anything. She would just walk past me, say hi, and move on. But I had a, a, I had my dos, my documents, my documents, <laughs> and you know, on her. Pastor CJ had known her for many years, and a couple of other people in church had known her for many years. I even found out that one of my childhood friends, they were they worked together uh, for like ten years or so. So, so, so I had my downloads about her. So when the time came, I mean, I just. You, so she used to share this open heavens uh, stuff. So I said, like, okay, get, I, I hear you share this. Just take my email address and start sharing with me. From the email address, I saw a signature phone number, got her phone number, started calling her. I mean, to call the long story short, you know. Uh, you called her enough times, and glory be to God. We bless, we bless <laughs> the Lord. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing, sir. Um, so, PFG, I, I guess I'm turning it over to you now. So, how are you, Miss? Did you also do Open Heaven slash phone number? I didn't do Open Heaven. I, I, I did not meet my husband in the church. Not quite as, you know, um, spiritual as Pastor Shion was then. Um, I met my husband. Where did we meet? Um, we met at a party, actually. Yeah. At his friend's graduation party. It's a bit of a long story, and I don't know that we have enough time, but let's just say that we met at a party. I was dating somebody else at the time. Yeah, I was. And I just thought, oh, okay, he's a nice guy. And I happened to know, so I knew his brother and sister-in-law, you know, so we gisted and all that, but I didn't, I mean, I was just like, whatever, you know, I'm dating somebody else. But he, on the other hand, I think had plans because he started calling me a lot, and I was like, why is this guy calling me? Um, and, you know, now he just laughs. He's like, I used to, used to see where you are now. Look at you. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, but, yeah, so, I mean, that was pretty much it. I was dating somebody else at the time. We met at the party, and long story short, we're married today with two beautiful daughters. <laughs> How's that? Let's just end it like that. Yeah, yeah. Isn't God wonderful? Um, so, I guess the moral of the story is don't stop calling. Do you understand? Call. Actually, yeah. There's a similar, I like it. Don't stop calling. Don't stop calling. Don't stop calling. <laughs> Unless she blocks you, then stop calling. Um, okay, so we're going to just jump right into a few of the questions. Um, and um, I guess the first thing I want to ask is, and forgive me if we start with the tough ones. Um, so somebody sent us a question recently and says, look, I am dating somebody and I, want, I really like this person, but I have some history. And I want to know, do I have to tell my spouse or girlfriend everything about my past? Because I have a checkered past. How much should I divulge? How quickly? How soon? Um, so let's start with you, Pastor, yeah. Pastor Sean. Okay. You were facing her. Come no, on. I was facing her. You know what? Well, I was like, While I was doing Thanksgiving that, you weren't facing me. <laughs> Um, so how much is too much to share? Mm. Um, I think the wisdom is to, uh, what you share per time should be based on your level of comfort and trust in the, in the relationship. You know, just like you won't meet a, a, a new person, uh, you know, and start telling them, uh, I've done five abortions, you know, I was a, I was a serial killer and all of that. You wouldn't do that. You will, um, Make you take things gradually because you know, and the, the 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 real issue here is this: when we get into romantic relationship, there's a way it affects how we judge trust in that relationship. Uh, there's a sense in which people get into a romantic relationship and they immediately 
believe that I've met the bone of my bone, the flesh of my flesh. I can't be any other person. This feel, the feeling I'm feeling is too pure. It's too perfect. This can't be anything but true love. So what are we waiting for? We're going to get married. I'm 100, 200% sure. However, weeks down the line, months down the line, <laughs> you start looking for the message that Professor Jacobman preached today. <laughs> <laughs> You know, so so the, the important thing is to have the maturity, to have a realistic view of the level of trust and comfort that you have in that relationship and not to take things too fast. Um, you you share, when sharing is part of how you connect with people, sharing is part of how you build a relationship, but um, it's a balance between I need to share so that the relationship can continue. And I also need to balance how much I'm sharing with the level of comfort and trust that exists right now in this relationship. Uh, relationship can, your relationship can't be, um, you know, there are some kind of food you need to cook them gradually. And usually those are the good food. Some, some of those food that you need to just burn them two seconds and it's done, usually they don't last. Mm. You know, so you want to make sure it burns gradually. But sometimes there's this gishish that doesn't allow us to, you know. <laughs> yes, sir. Absolutely. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, any insights you, you care to share with us? No, I think... <laughs> First of all, <laughs> can I ask one quick thing, please? Pastor Fulisho's mic isn't very loud. So is if it you not? Could, okay. Okay. Could you help us give a little bit of volume? Thank you so much. All right. Okay. So in that case, let me throw another question at you. Um, and this is a bit uh, tough. Um, so this person says, please, sir, or well, please, ma'am, could you provide a framework for conflict resolution in... Framework. A framework. <laughs> And I, and I think the person, the person put a bit of, a little bit of a description here. It says, so my girlfriend changes it for me as part, changing it for me on a regular basis. And I'm, as in, you know when they say, they change it for, ah, my change it for you. Ah, yeah, yeah. So if you misbehave, I will change it for you. Ah, no, no, no. Oh, in Yoruba terms, my dasirof. I will. Okay. So my girlfriend changes it for me on a regular basis, and I'm afraid that I try that I try to be civil, but one day I will give it back to her hot hot. Wow. So how do we solve conflicts in our relationships? Or oh, let me put it to you this way: How do you and your husband? When you have a bit of a friction, how do you guys come to a place of understanding? Okay, so I think conflicts in marriage and conflict in dating are very different. And I don't think that we should ever confuse it because when you're dating, you have a way out. <laughs> if you're dating somebody crazy, can you please run fast? Um, yeah, so I mean, if the, so the girlfriend is Darcy Ruffin. What did you say that the slang is? Changing it. Yeah, I learned something new today. So the girlfriend is changing it for him on a regular basis, maybe because, I don't know, maybe they have a conflict and her way of resolving the conflict is to change it. He needs to have a discussion with her that that is not an appropriate way to handle conflict. If he has the conversation with her, this is my framework. My framework is not Harvard level, but you would take it as it comes. So if he has a discussion with her, because that's what we should do, you know, I don't like the way that you handle conflicts. Because even in, I mean, even with your friends, whoever, you can have that kind of a conversation. Yeah. If your friend, because some friends also do that. Do we know friends that do that? They just, and you're like, what's wrong with you, auntie or uncle, you know? Um, if the person is still doing that, then it might just be that this is a values thing. So I'm very big on 
lie or pretend when you are dating. You know, when you're married, you're, you know, you're kind of stuck, you know, because we have given vows, you know, we're not looking for a way out. But when you're dating, you're not stuck. Anybody here that's dating and feels stuck, you're not married yet, so don't feel stuck. If the person is insisting on exhibiting bad behavior, because for me, that's bad behavior. I mean, if you want to resolve a conflict, let's talk about the problem. Darcy Ruff in dating will go madder when you get married. So one thing that you should all know is anything that you do not like when you're dating, when you get married, it's going to be like magnifying glass. Do you know magnifying glass? You know what it does? It magnifies things. It's going to magnify things. So if she's Darcy Ruffy when dating, oh my gosh. She might stab him when they marry. So if I were him, after I have that conversation, because she might not know better, and I talk to her and, you know, pray about it and all that good stuff, if she's still doing that, then it's not about you anymore. It's a character thing, and that is not... You are not the Holy Spirit. You can't change anybody's character. After you've prayed and you've spoken about it, I would suggest that you listen to PG's message from earlier and do what needs to be done, the needful. Yeah. Um. <laughs> That's her framework. <laughs> That's my framework. Thanks, thanks. Um, okay, so well, Pastor Sean, in marriage though, where you signed a piece of paper, you exchanged rings, your whole family was there, you know, your children might be there as well, and there, and some conflict starts to arise. What is your framework um, for dealing with conflicts in that situation? Um, okay, so I think... Um, I wouldn't know that there's a framework that works for everyone. Um, I, uh, after you've scaled the first ordu, which Folusha spoke to, which is to assure yourself that the person you're even um, in relationship with has uh, enough sense you know, to get into conflict the right way and not in ways that can destroy you, um, then you then, have to, you then need to ask yourself, what are the, um, it's all about understanding the uniqueness of the person you are dealing with and being able to give the appropriate response. You know, say for example, when some, some people, when they are angry, they are talking fast, they are, you know, exhibiting some energy and all of that. When they are in that state, what's the best uh, response? You know, maybe as a wife or as a husband, that's, that's how the person behaves. You need to have understand, you need to have come to a level of understanding of that person to know that what's the best response. Sometimes the best response is, you keep quiet. Sometimes the best response is, some, some other people when they are angry, they are distant, they are quiet and all of that. And for you as the other partner, you have, you have to understand what's the best response for this. So it might be to go ask the person the question, uh, what's wrong? Have I done anything wrong? Uh, can I take you out? You know, and all of that. Some other people just want to be left alone to steam for a while and then they come back. I mean, all of us go through that, th those times where you're just not in a good state, you're just not happy about something and you exhibit some certain kind of behavior and it's for you to understand that person and give them the space to, let me use the word, vents. Uh, because sometimes when we say the Christian thing, the Christian thing, you know, and people will slam the scripture on your head. Don't let your anger, uh, let, let, the sun, let not the sun go down on your rod. And I ask, what if it's 11 p.m.? The sun has already gone down. So, come on. So, they, they, and we have to understand that different personalities. Some personalities, uh, they, are, they are giving more to being keeping grudges. They are giving more to keeping grudges. And there's a way you can look, so they, they, can, they can find it difficult to let go of issues uh, in just a steam, in just one moment. It may take them a few hours or even days to let go of an issue. And you, the other person, can then slam that kind of scripture on them and say, oh, let us, 
people need to go through whatever they need to go through. Like I said again, we've assured ourselves that there are boundaries. Uh, these are not toxic things. They are not someone destroying things and all of that. And there are some other people, they just need to shout and rake and rave for a few moments and then they are fine. Sometimes you have to understand the person you're married to is not only ghost. The person has feelings. The person is human. The person is not perfect. The person will get angry. Jesus got angry. Get into that kind of space, you have choked somebody. So allow the other person to vent and all of that. When it's the right time to have the conversation, we then get around the, around the table and we have the conversation. And we have conversations as two adults, exchange views and all of that. This is what we agree. If your apologies need to be offered, we offer the apologies and we move forward. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so I'm going to jump into, and if you guys have questions, this is the time for you to start to ask um, those questions. So does anybody have any questions? And while we're doing, while we're waiting for people to, um, actually, I think what I'll do is I'll ask for Lavi if he has a question so that he can open up the floor because he's my guy. I know him personally. Um, so he can ask a few of the questions. And he's also in that, you know, he's about to get married, that oh, kind really? of thing. So, so he can. And we've been praying. You didn't tell us to stop praying. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, but yes. So if anybody has any questions, um, we would like to take those questions. Um, and and you know, this is, we're open here. Um, so feel free. Okay. There we go. Okay, Caleb has one. Hi. Uh, okay, great. Um, I think I just want to interject to um, what you said, the question you raised earlier. I think it's also very important for us, no, not for us, it's important to understand um, where the person is coming from, the person that is changing it for whoever, right? Because um, sometimes people act out of um, the background they are coming from, right? So probably she was um, in some family where she saw her parents change it for each other. You know, it, it might even be an external influence from friends, you know, around. But I think it's very important for us to understand where the person is coming from, why they act the way to do. Self-awareness um, counts not, necess not, not, not only for yourself, but also for the person, like Pastor um, Sharon had said, for the person as well, so you can understand how to deal. If you don't understand that um, it's probably something that, you know, it's family-based or something, you know, um, you don't understand how to go about having the conversation when it comes to mediation. Because you know she's coming from somewhere, then she then needs to, I mean, do her own assignments. I mean, so she doesn't become a leaking basket like, you know, um, Pastor Gamara shared in the morning. Thank you so much for sharing that. Does anybody else have anything um, they like to, actually, there we go, all right. And if you have a question or some, something specific as well, something from your own personal experience that you'd like to ask. Um. Yeah, hi. Um, so I have a question. And it's about compromise. Um, so people, I mean, everybody says in a relationship, marriage, relationship, compromise is very essential. Um, so my question is, at what point do you draw the line on compromise? At what point do you say, um, I can't compromise further? If at all there is a point you can say, I can't compromise further, at what point is that? PFG. That's a great question. Um, 
So I'm going to say something very quickly about what Caleb said, and then I'm going to answer your question. So I think that understanding people's backgrounds is very important. But I think what's also very important is understanding that you can't, you physically cannot change anyone, right? So dating you might help somebody, like the example, understand themselves better, maybe even after you've broken up, as it were. But you have to understand that, especially if you're like an emotional person. So if you know that you have a lot of empathy for people, naturally, and there's nothing wrong with that, then you also have to know that the chances that you will connect very deeply emotionally and want to help somebody that you think maybe came from a different kind of background is very high. You have to be careful that you don't become a fixer because that's a problem and I see it happen a lot. I see people wanting to fix the person that they're dating, marrying the person and the person is not fixed and they are grossly disappointed because they felt like they could fix. I think it's very important to pray about somebody that you think, you know, what they are manifesting is part of a deeper problem, maybe upbringing or something. Because, I mean, all of us have issues, let's be honest. We all yeah. have issues. Yeah. I got lots of issues. But anyway, um, so yeah, I think praying about it is more important. And if the person does not change, you are not a fixer, you are not the Holy Spirit. So just keeping that in mind. Um, now to your question about compromise. I think that when... When you're, so I'm going to focus on dating because I think that it's just so different <laughs> when you're dating and when you're married. Um, you don't ever compromise on your values, right? And I think that can sound very vague. Like, hey, what does that even mean? What values? My values are changing. I'm young. I'm fly, you know? <laughs> but I think that you need to ask yourself when you get into a compromise situation, like, what is important to me as a person? So let's give an example. The most common example in a Christian gathering such as this. You are dating somebody that wants to sleep with you. That's, is there a, somebody else give me another example? Oh, no, that's a good one. Uh -huh. they like they, no, 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 actually. You like the example too no, much. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, if you know that one of your values, and it should be, please, is that you don't want to sleep with anybody until you get married, then you should not compromise on that. Now, it's very hard. I'm not saying that it's easy. And I'm sure that we've all been in positions when we were dating. I'm sure Pastor Shewa as well. And you know, the sparks were flying, very hot. Oh yes. In fact, the sparks should fly because if not, maybe you should not date the person because there's no spark. But what you need to do is that you need to have a framework, oh yes, Tell them to so. handle that. And I think that the best framework to handle that is to have accountability. So let me tell you something here, the truth. Are we off camera? Please, off the camera. <laughs> Please, it's almost my 12th year anniversary before they come and pay me. <laughs> so even when you are married, you might have sparks. So. Am I lying, Pastor Sheo? Okay, let's all be honest. We're going to be real, right? You need to have an accountability group. Your most sensible friend, not the one that's not sensible. We know the ones that are sensible. That's sensible one. The one that annoys you because the sense is too much. Yeah. Like Tony. <laughs> like, <laughs> let me see. Which of the guys here? Let me. Mm. I'm, so, I'm okay, like Zemilade. Let him become I'm your friend. I'm that you just walk past I'm me. Like, ah. It's because we are here. I wasn't looking at you. Like Zemilade, you tell the friend that, listen, I'm dating this girl. And she, you, listen, man, she's hot. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And tell the person that you need them to keep you accountable. And make it a serious thing, right? And not just when you're dating. Even when you get married, you know. I have friends that will call and be like, there's a problem. There's a client I have, and the person is trying to hit on me, and he wants to go to dinner. And I know that if we go to dinner, it might lead to... Do you understand? So I think just being vulnerable and having that trusted person that you can be very vulnerable with to keep you accountable. And most importantly, please pray. You know, 
Prayer is so good. There's nothing that God does not answer. Evil situations like that. So the summary of it for me is don't come. Sleep with somebody seems like it's a big thing, you know, but there's, there's smaller things like, you know, lying, you know, lying is a big one. Um, pretending like who you're not, because a lot of people that are dating, if I, I was saying earlier to my sister, some people divorce from fraud. Have you guys ever heard of that before? Fraud. Because the person presented themselves as who they were not. And it ended up in divorce because they got married and the other person was like, ah, but I don't understand. This is not who you said that you were, you know? So I think be very, very, very clear about what your personal values are and have accountability with some of your really good, reliable kind of friends like Demilade and pray to God. I hope that helps you. I hope it wasn't like too like high level. Awesome. Over the, oh, awesome. It was good. All right, awesome. thank you. Awesome. <laughs> ah, it's, it's get, we're going. <laughs> First it was fragrance. <laughs> Now it's on to fire. So um, that's, that, that was really helpful. However, um, so I want to go back to our parents' generation. And you realize that so many of them stayed in marriages that were sort of harmful, you know. And you know, they, kept, they keep on telling you, oh, I'm, I'm stuck here. You know, they keep on saying things like, He's my husband, I cannot die, I cannot, I cannot leave him, my children, children, everybody was children, children, children. Um, so my, my, my question is, I mean, I'm sure those things started with, um, it started with things as little as, I like attention, he doesn't show me, like he, he's not the kind, of, he's not a, a, he doesn't know how to show emotions or display affection, yeah? And you know, from there, you started. You, know, you guys were not. Um, um, what was the word now? You guys were not. You guys, the, the spark was not. Yeah, we're not the same page anymore. I mean, you ignored that. Your children came into the picture. You started focusing all your attention, all your emotions on your children. It was now a thing of you and your children. And then you just believe that as long as I have my children, I don't need this man. And then you just you see such marriages as loveless marriages, you know, and they are there, they are celebrating 60, 60 years in marriage, you know, and everybody thinks, but it's that, like, that's not in marriage as far as I'm concerned. So at what point do we, um, uh, I because, mean, oh, and the reason why I'm asking this, I say this, I see this a lot, and you see, you know, parents, pastors, people saying, oh, they've been there together, that is, that's the most important thing, but is that really the most important thing for them to be there, lifeless, in the name of marriage, or should they have done something earlier on? Pierre. <laughs> <laughs> pastor Stewie is my senior. I was just made a pastor after him, so our daddy is the Lord. Over to you, sir. That's his. If you haven't seen his come before, that's, a great that's, that's an example. <laughs> Uh, I was enjoying the question so much that I wasn't, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't even thinking of how to answer. So, uh, yes, our parents suffered um, in loveless marriages. Um, they, 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 some of them in abusive marriages, um, you know, and, and I agree with you that it's not enough to say, oh, they, they, are, they are together. The reason why they stayed was because there was nowhere to go. The society was not welcoming of a, an unmarried woman, especially with children. There was, they, they, they had practically nowhere to run to, unlike now. Someone can come out and say, I'm divorced. Except you are old school, you will look at the person funny. It happens. It's just, it's not what we want. It's not what anybody prays for, but it does happen. But in the olden days, it was not 
a thing. There was no acceptance of such. In their mind, it was better to die in that loveless marriage than to come out and say, I'm divorced as a woman. It was a taboo. And that was what kept them there because there was no society to welcome or even reason or... You get what I'm saying? That was why they stayed there. But today, it's different. Um, so what, what that means is that you and I cannot be driving for just longevity for the sake of it. We have to be driving for a good, happy marriage that you are happy to continue in it. Not that you're just staying there because of what people will say and all of that, to celebrate and all that. So uh, in a sense, it has also sort of sold an idea that marriage is disposable, where a lot, a, lot, a lot of young people think, oh, if it doesn't work, I'll just get out, you know. Uh, prenups is now a thing. People just, you know, it's like an insurance in case it doesn't work and all of that. It's not a thing. And the, the truth is, for marriage to work the way it's meant to work, you can't go in with such a double mind. You've already left the back door open, and most likely, uh, you will use it because you, you, you have left it open yourself. You, you have to go, you know, head on and full, full plunge into it. You can't go in avatar, which is why the, how you get into it becomes very important. How you get into it very comes, Who you get to marry becomes very important. Who you are yourself is also very important because I, I find that who you are yourself is even more important than the person that you get to go along with because guess what? Who you are yourself will influence your ability to even see and know who the right person is. There's a, there's, there's, there's a way you can be such that the right person is smashing you in the face but you still can't recognize it. You will still gravitate towards the wrong people. So who you are, who you are becoming, how you matured you have. I mean, for example, you spoke about someone who says, oh, you just use a random example, I believe. Someone who says, oh, I'm the kind of person who needs attention. And because I'm not getting attention, there's this other guy around who's giving me attention. So something is happening on the side and all of that. You, the question is, um, your need for attention, for your need for attention to get to that level, it means that you're probably relying on this other person to give you happiness. Your, this attention has become oxygen to you. And that's the big question mark about you yourself. Because there's just nobody in this world. It's going to give you everything. None. So part of how you need to develop yourself is to get to a place where, I, what I like to tell people is that when you get to a stage in your life, in your maturity, where you don't need to marry again, then you are married to marry. Wow. Okay, so it's when like a lot of people are not ready. That's... When you get to a stage in your life where you can live the rest of your life without getting married and you'll be happy, then you are ready to marry. Because otherwise, you are going into that marriage to be a liability. Mm. You are going to that marriage looking for something that human beings can't give you. You are going to marry, you're going to, have, you're going to want marriage to do for you what marriage is not designed to do for you. Mm. To make me happy, make me enjoy life, fulfilled. make people respect me, make me feel fulfilled. Mm. I wonder what that means. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I hope that helps. Um, Awesome. Thank you so much. Okay, definitely. Sorry. So I think also with the, with the previous generation and generations before, motive is something that we need to also assess. The motive for a lot of our parents or our grandparents getting married is not the same as our motive. The motive for your mother or whoever's mother or father staying in a marriage, there's always, if you, if you take the time to really speak to them, there's more beneath that I stayed for my children. Like, it might have been, I'm not financially secure enough and I want my kids to be okay. Um, I mean, there's so many different reasons. So I think motive is extremely important. And I mean, what Pastor Sheon said is like, so, re- like it's just so good. 
But I think that we need to examine our motives for wanting to get married because a lot of people don't even know what their motives are and they have some very interesting motives that might even have been influenced by your parents. You are looking for, you know, you finish school and the next thing to do, because there's, I mean, before, Sha, I don't know if it's still happening now, but it's almost like, oh, you finish with this thing, this is the next thing to do. Yeah. You know, marriage is not and has never been the next thing to do, right? It's not a gap filler for your emptiness or for your next stage in life. You know, like Pastor Sheung said, when you can comfortably say, I mean, it, Pastor Sheung said it, but it's hard, because I don't know that when me I got married, that I even thought about that kind of deep, I wish Pastor Sheung was my friend, I'd have really been having some deep, you know, thoughts, but it's a really, really good question to ask yourself, you know, would I be okay if I didn't get married? You know what I mean? And then don't look for somebody else to fill some gap in your life, because who is, who is a puzzle piece? I'm not a piece of a puzzle. Deep. Are you a piece of a puzzle? <laughs> I'm not a piece of a puzzle. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, okay, so... I am a speck. I'm a... Ah, no, nobody I drink glory. Oh, shake bobo. Hallelujah. So I'm go we're going to do two more questions, one from Falabi and one from Dami. But before then, sir, I want to ask Pastor Shion something. Um, so we, we're contrasting the marriage sort of needs of the previous generation and this generation. And I realized that there are a lot of things that the older generation or the people in the olden days used as, you know, criteria for getting married. So for instance, my mother has told me categorically, don't bring, I'm not, you're not marrying anybody from what my father calls daughters of the East country, you know, and stuff like that. You know, so even like people who are from the East and all of that, Z, that's on me, Abby. Um, not for you. <laughs> you know, but there have been things like that. Or, you know, as a man, you're expected to marry somebody who's younger than you. You know, things like that. How do we navigate some of these constructs that have really no basis in Scripture, but they've been fed to us? Um, okay. Um, thank you very much. It's a very... Um, well, so what I find, because I counsel quite a bit, and what I find is that it's becoming a really rampant issue. Um, it's, I mean, just last couple of months, I had to ask myself, what's going on here? Just too many people coming to me to say, oh, Pastor Sheon, my parents are not approving of my, my wife or my, my, my girlfriend or my boyfriend for different kind of reasons. Some no reasons at all. They just don't, they've said they've gone to pray somewhere and they've said, you guys are not meant to be together. He's from one side of the country. It's too, it became too rampant for me to start. I had to start thinking, well, something is, something, is, something is going on here. And let me start by saying that my wife, for example, is older than me. Um, yeah, she's older than me by, yeah. She's older than me by over a year. Not just, not a few days, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know, and that's part of, when you, you need to do your research. So I, I, when I did my research on her, I found out that that was, that was an issue for her that it was going to be an issue for her. But for me, forget it. I have... <laughs> not that kind, not that kind. <laughs> so, so, because for me, I'd checked the fundamentals and age was not among them. And the fundamentals were right. So age was going to be secondary. So even though it was an, going to be an issue for her, I had an appropriate response to her. A few other things that I already knew was going to be an issue for her as well that I planned what the response would be, you know. And some of these things, prayer is important as well. I was so cocky when I was speaking to her. Because to me, I'd finished the, I'd finished the work in the place of uh, research. I'd also finished the work in the place of prayer. It was a done deal. There was nothing she was going to say, you know. 
That was, that was where I was. <laughs> that was where I was. You know, but speaking to this, you see, what I find is this. If you go back 30, 40 years ago, I mean, my, I have older siblings, for example, that are in their 50s and all of that right now. When they were young and they were getting married, um, the, the generational gap between them and my parents was not a lot. My sisters were wearing my mom's clothes when they were in their 20s, even before, even in their teenage years. They had that kind of thing that, well, well girls, you know, she's their mother, but there's, there's, you know, they, they could have conversations about many things, and about life and all of that. So the understanding was not that, the gap in terms of mindsets was not that wide. Today, it's a gulf. The understanding between you and your parents. If, if most of us, if our parents walked in now, not confused, they'd be shocked. They will, they will panic, literally, that, ha, huh? is this a church? See the person who led praise and worship. Jesus. Was that praise and worship? They're having church, they are laughing like this. So that's that's where we are. With the internet and the changes around the world, there's a gulf of understanding in how we live our lives and how our parents live their life. And that leaves them confused and scared that you're going into the harm of the devil. When they see anything that is not familiar, and not many things are familiar in the way life's happening. I mean, imagine people wear ankle chains and all of that. Imagine bring your girlfriend wearing ankle chain to meet your parents, who the last time they saw an ankle chain was an herbalist in the village. Come on, what were they going to think? And you said, oh, she's a Christian, she's speaking in tongues. Which Which, kind what of kind Christians? of? Which Christian? So, 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 <laughs> you know, so, so we need to, first of all, empathize with them. They don't hate you. They are, just, they are just afraid based on the fact that they love you. But it places a very huge responsibility on you as well. Because what it means is that you need to go the extra length to prove to them that you're making the right, right call for your life. And that cannot start with your choice of who to marry. You need to have demonstrated in your interaction and relationship with them that you have sense to make right choices about your life. When, you, when, you have, when they have that kind of vibe about you that, well... I mean, my, my parents, they, they, maybe they couldn't do anything about you wearing your hairstyle and your ankle chain and whatever, but they could judge. I mean, she's making the right call. She's stable on her job. She's not having an emotional breakdown. She's handling herself well. He's, you know, and all of that. I have conversations with her. Nobody's supporting him as, you know, stealing money or anything. He's making the right call about his life. When it comes to that time, and you have to make that decision as well, they will give you the benefit of the doubt. And part of it is also, you also have to have become an adult by the time you are presenting someone to marry. When you are in that space where you have to ask them whether you should drink uh, you know, coffee in the morning or tea, and you have to take permission before you can travel from VI to, to Lekki, and you are still like a child that needs to take permission, definitely they, they will think they are the ones that are supposed to make such choices for you. You should get to a stage where you are taking their advice into consideration and making decisions. So you are not going to ask for permission. You are, in, you, are, you are informing them and you are taking their counsel on board as part of what you're considering. I think that's part of what we all need to work on. Absolutely. Thank you so much, sir. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, so Falabi has a question you would like to ask. Okay, thank you. Thank you, PFG. Thank you, Pastor Shion. Um, So my question is in line with what he said. First off... Um, um, how obviously you guys have been married for a couple of years, and you know some of my friends who are married um, have personally shared their own 
complained and um, talked about how hard it is in their marriage and, and struggling. Some of them, some of them feel trapped. Um, I know a friend of mine who felt like, you know, obviously he's not really a Christian like that. So, you know, just said that, you know, after like the first six months, he was already tired and he started looking elsewhere. Um, so for some of us hearing that is kind of scary. And trust me, I enjoy, you know, being unmarried too. Um, obviously, I love the idea of building a family and marriage itself because it's God's idea. Um, so how do we, because obviously we want to build a godly home, a godly marriage, how do we, you know, sustain one, the spark? How do we make sure that our marriages are not a living hell? How do we make sure that when we get married, we don't feel trapped? And then the second question is, um, how, how do you know that the person either you're dating or the person you meet is the one? It's the huge question. I've never seen anybody tell me that they heard a voice from behind saying she's the one. You haven't been to the right place. I know people. <laughs> okay, you know people. I know one guy told me that he woke up in the morning and he lifted up his eyes. And the Lord said that's the, the Lord one. said. The Lord has not told me that, you know, but... Um, how do, even if you're dating someone now, and obviously you like the person, how do you know that, okay, I think I can spend the rest of my life with this person? Those are my two questions. Um, so, personally, I don't think that there's such a thing as the one. Um, but, you know, the, I mean, I don't see the scripture that says that there's the one. Is there a scripture that says that there's the one? So you know what, to that question and to the previous question about the previous generation. Um, okay, a few things. So I think that first of all, there's a lot of cultural things that are not biblical. And we have to be very, very um, discerning, that's the word, and we need to be wise. So you need to be able to separate culture from what God says. A lot of times, what culture says sounds like what God said, but it's not. So let me give you an example. It's very random. Yoruba people, how many of you are here, Yoruba? Yoruba people. Why do we name babies after one week? Why? Anybody know why? You don't know why? Sir, do you know why? You are Yoruba, you have babies. Do you know? What's why? Look, beautiful. We do it. So I was like, what? why are we doing that? So I asked. So it turns out that there was a time when babies used to die very quickly after they were born. And so that's when the tradition started. And we just kept it. Wow. Yes. So the idea is to wait and be sure that... That the baby's not going to die. Yeah, yeah, that's why. Google it. It's on the... I mean, you can research it. The reason I'm saying so is on the Google. The, or the Google, anyone you want to call it. But it mess up your life. God forgive me. I'm not abusing it. I mean, I'm proud Nigerian Yoruba girl. Very much so. But there's a lot of things that are just not, you know, biblical. So we have to be careful. I don't think that the one is biblical. I, I don't think so. I mean, God did not show me any light. Um, it just felt right, and a bunch of other things happened, and, you know, God confirmed it in certain ways. But I don't think that there's one bone of bone and flesh of flesh that God made. Okay. Oh, like the right one. Beautiful. Okay, sorry, I, I misunderstood the question. I was about to go on my the one tangent. Um, <laughs> but I think to that particular question, listen, guys, let's not take dating for marriage like playfully. 
And I'm a very playful person, you know. Um, I was even more playful when I was 20, whatever age I was when I got married. I think that you need to honestly commit it to prayer, right? So there are many things that will connect. Things will, things will fall in line, you know, like, you know, I mean, you obviously like the person, the person might like you back. A few things might connect. Hopefully your parents and her parents like vice versa. If that is not happening, that's another prayer point. But I do think that you really, really have to commit it to prayer. Now, if your families don't like each other, you need to commit it to prayer because I've also seen people that got married with families not liking each other and it became an issue. Because you know you're not just marrying that person, do you know? Mm. You're marrying the whole family. So if you don't like them, you need to start thinking about how you are going to, you know, kind of maneuver and operate. That, that's a session for another day. Let me not go down that road. But I think that what is most important is that you pray about it and you get peace. So for me, the way that God speaks to me, and God speaks to all of us in different ways, is I just have peace about a matter. So I don't wait for a golden light in the middle of the night or for Tony to call me and say that, you know, she got a prophecy. Like, Tony likes to prophesy, prophesy to me and say that, you know, Leia is my husband. No, I think it's about a peace answer today. No, I will give another answer. What's that? Okay, let me, okay. Let me give you an example of peace. Sorry, ah, but my example of peace does not have to do with marriage. It's about something else. Can I, can I? Okay, ah, gosh, okay. Peace is when, let me give you an example. I'll just tell a story. I like to tell stories. So I got married in 2010. And before I got married, I, I, so I'm a dreamer. But then I wasn't taking my dream life seriously. God and I were just okay, as in we're cool. I used to go to church, Bible study, but I wasn't like, you know, deeply, you know, like hanging out with God like I am now. Um, and I remember I had this feeling, very weird feeling that I would have problems conceiving. It was very random. So first of all, I've never been that girl that ever dreamt about, oh my God, my children, I'm going to have 10 kids. Like that wasn't me. I'm just being honest. So can we be vulnerable here? You're laughing. Feel free to laugh. I don't mind. I laugh at myself as well. So when I started having the feeling, I'm like, well, what kind of weird feeling is this? You know, but it was persistent and it wouldn't leave me. So I started paying attention to the feeling. I then maybe had like a dream or two, which I also ignored. But something then led me to take it a bit more seriously. And so when I got married, after I got married, I saw an OBGYN, just a long story, an OBGYN is a female doctor, a gynecologist for the lovely men in here who might not know. <laughs> <laughs> who might not know what that is. And, you know, he scanned me and was like, oh, you have a thick endometrium. Now, I'm not biologically inclined at all. So I was looking at the man like, what, like, what does that, like, what, what, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? And he was just talking and talking. We have to take a sample of it, find out if it's cancerous. Uh-uh, uncle, what did I come here for? Kilak Bekilenju, as it was the matter. You know what I mean? That's really how I felt, you know? So I left there and I was very confused. Now, fortunately for me, my sister is a doctor. And my mom is a medical lab technology. So I called them. I said, come and see what happened. Jeje me nimolosi. You know, Jeje me. I went to <laughs> I went to the doctor for a checkup, you know. And the guy said all this stuff. So they were like, ah, okay. Hmm. My sister is a doctor. So she, and, and she's a very, I mean, she's a doctor, you know. So she was like, oh, we, we need to get a second opinion. She was just going. I'm like, auntie, chill. So what they said I had to do between that doctor and a second doctor I saw was, oh, you have this thick endometrium, which means that the lining of your womb is thick, right? And what that means is that you will, not might, you will have issues conceiving because what happens is that, you know, when you conceive, things get attached and it's too thick, blah, 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 all that stuff. Uh -uh. I was very confused. Now, I was very confused, but I was not... In, in despair because of the feeling I had before and because we had kind of prayed about it, you know, then. So, 
We went for a second opinion, saying that if that second opinion confirmed it, I would go through the procedure, right? So we get to the place for the second opinion. The person even confirmed this even more, more than the first opinion. Now, maybe like a few days after that, I went to a church and I saw supernatural childbirth in the bookstore. I'd never seen it before, never heard about it before, bought it, and started reading it and felt the most ridiculous amount of peace that I wasn't going to have a procedure. Now, at this point, everybody thought I was mad. My husband probably thought I was mad, but we had just been married a few months, so he was, you know, he wasn't sure how to address it. Hey, it was, now he would just say you are mad, but you know, there you oh baby, oh really, you don't want to do it? Oh, okay, baby, this lady is crazy. <laughs> but no, really, my mom was like, you've lost your mind. You I say I'm not doing. Now, when I said I wasn't doing it, if, oh, there's nobody here that knew, like, it wasn't like I was, like, I wasn't like toying. Sorry, so you're just a good example. You're right there. You're so beautiful. You know how there are some people that you have known them to be very deeply in the Lord. So when they say they're not doing something, you're like, if that lady says she's not doing it, we believe her. For me, like, my relationship with, with God was good, but it wasn't like, you know, I was... So they're like, what are you trying to say? I said, I'm not doing it. And the peace I had, I cannot explain it till today. But I put it to you that I didn't do the procedure because I had the peace, and I said I wasn't going to do it. And I have two children today, and I've never had any issues conceiving. Now, the reason I'm saying this to you is because I think that is a very good example, and I'll tell you why. I've met people who have had the same thing that I had and had to have a procedure, but God told me not to have a procedure. He didn't tell them not to. Do you understand? So I'm not using what happened to me as a framework. The framework is listen to God, have a relationship with God, let God speak to you about the matter. Not that God told Falabi not to go here. So you two, you will say, ah, Falabi is not going, so I'm not going to go. No, it's a one-on-one -on -one thing. So what I learned from that situation, and just in general about everything in life, is the peace is between you and God. Now, with peace, you also have to manage people. So if you have peace about a matter that nobody else around you understands why, you have to have the wisdom to manage them and explain to them why you have peace about the matter. But that's what I mean by peace. And I hope that it was helpful because like, okay, good, thank you, yeah. Awesome, <laughs> thank you so much. Um, sir, the second question, but I, I just wanted to quickly touch on this. She, she kept saying that the peace that passes understanding, and that's typically how you know that it's peace, is that you can't explain it. You don't, you don't have the English to adequately convey what it is you are feeling on the inside of you, but you just know that nothing, no one, no situation, no it just doesn't, you know there's a way that somebody can tell you a bit of information and immediately starts playing on your heart and playing on your mind. This thing, nothing that comes against you can make you shake because you just don't know what it is, but you're good. And that's what it is. And when you have that thing that passes understanding, where even your mind can't shake you from, the, from that yeah. issue, you know, the words of people can't shake you. Everything around you, just, you are immovable. The Bible says you are immovable. You are like Mount Zion. You stay in one place. Nothing, that's when you know you have peace. And I, and I wanted to just say one other thing is that peace is not, because we, a lot of times we feel like because we have it now, we will have it forever. There are things you can do to reinforce that peace. And that's why you need to keep going into the word of God to keep finding things that reaffirm what God has told you so that your peace will not be shaken. So I think those are, because well, that's another thing, people have the peace, and then they hear things, it's like, you know, Peter and the boats, you start to see the waves, and all of a sudden, no, you have to keep reaffirming what God has told you in your heart so that your peace will stay. Thank you so much. Um, I, like, I, I, love, I love that story, absolutely. I, but I, I just wanted to add this to what has been said. And uh, it might sound like I'm scattering what has been said already, but it's not, you, you, you just had it to it. <laughs> because, 
Because what I found is this. There, there are two kinds of peace that I've, I've found. There's the original one that Folusha described. I've seen many China versions of that piece. <laughs> many. Especially when it comes to this issue of relationship, you know. Um, ah, ah, P.S., I found, I, found the, I found the girl. Ah, Jesus. How do you know? I just have this piece. I just have this piece. <laughs> I've heard that version. And then many weeks after, the piece turns to pieces. You know? <laughs> and, and you know what I tell people is this. Um, and, and I like the balance that Demlade brought in because we, you will find that in terms of how God leads us, you will, uh, there are different things that the Word of God have said. There's a place for the Holy Spirit leading you and you have that peace. There's a place for counsel. There's a place for uh, checking for agreement. Can two work together except they agree? Uh, so you need to balance that peace with a few other elements because uh, we must understand that part of when it comes to hearing God generally, uh, you, are, you are still human. You are not perfect. God is perfect. God speaks perfectly. But we are human beings. And especially when it comes to this your relationship, there's a tendency for you to be somewhat uh, emotional about it. And that can disrupt the frequency of how clearly and how accurately you're able to hear God. I mean, come on. You've been praying for a bit and you're looking around for a fine, so someone to marry. And, you know, this girl walked into church, you know, looking nice and wonderful. You're, you lifted up your eyes and, you know, your spec, everything is just, you know, the way you want it. And the conditions are flowing right. You know, he's even asking for your number. And, you know, funny enough, he lives close to you. Come on. What's... There's, there's peace. <laughs> you, can, you can feel the peace, right? You know, so, so, so we, need to, we need to be careful there. And, this is, this is, and that's the place of having prayed and having, and having that conviction that God is leading you in that direction. You need to check things out. And just uh, give yourself the benefit of doubt that just, I just might be wrong. I just might be wrong because you are not perfect. You are not God. And part of what I ask people to do when you get to that place, don't just rush in based on that. Check things that come two work together except they agree. Uh, one of the things I ask people to do, go and look for someone who has known him or her for at least 10 years. 10 years. And ask question. When companies want to recruit, especially the senior important roles, Folusha uh, uh, is there. What do you do? Reference. Your CV, what have you done with your career? They will check it out and see that things check out and matches the role. That is not as important as the most important person in your life. So why wouldn't you use your sense that God has given you to also check things out? Because guess what? Uh, for the life of me, your emotions, what you are seeing is colored by, you know, and all of that. So you want to use the benefit of other people. Bible says in the most of counsel, there's safety. You know, there are three other things I like people to also check out values. And when we talk about value, uh, there are the generic ones that I believe we've already spoken to. Of course, as a Christian, it's no sleeping together. And if a lot of other things, no lying, no teaching, no cheating, and all of that that are you know, covered in the Bible. However, as a person, you get to a certain level in your life, you have some personal values, some values that are peculiar to you based on where you are going in life, based on the gifts and talent that you have, based on your purpose in life. When I wanted to get married, for example, it was important to me uh, not just to marry a Christian. I, I told someone, okay, I'm not, not going to mention it. After, I was telling a friend recently, she was laughing. I said, there's no way I could have married someone from a certain church. Mm. You're still a Christian, right? But there's just no way. 
where I'm going is far from where that church is. The kind of Christianity I practice is totally different. So for me, I was going to be a pastor, and it's not CNS pastor. So I can't then marry some another, you know, young people or young girls like her. You know, there are different elements that just comes with where I'm going that speaks to because again, see. We talk about, we're talking about reasons for getting into marriage the other time. These are part of the elements that are missing in our parents' marriages. Marriage is meant to enhance your capacity to deliver on your purpose. That's one of the fundamental purposes of marriage. So you're asking yourself, this is where I'm going. Does this person look like someone that can accompany me on this journey? So I said, I said one of the fundamental purposes of marriage is marriage is meant to enhance your capacity to deliver on your purpose. So, for Labi, for example, he's going to be going on tours from, you know, the Grammys, to, from New York to South Korea. You can't then marry a woman who says, oh, me, I can't stay at home for one week with my husband without my husband beside me. Or, you can't marry him, sorry. You will not go to the Grammys. You can't. Or someone who says, ah, me, uh, you, you, have to, you have to rock me to bed every night. Sorry. We're in Riyaza. Studio sessions are going on. So you have to have a, that kind of unique understanding of yourself, and that dictates some personal values that you need to check out with whoever, no matter the highs and the nose mm. and whatever else that you're looking at, that needs to check out. Mm. Friendship has to check out as well. Can we play together? Can we play together? It's very important. That's what holds marriage. It's not the romance. Yep. You can exchange flowers with anybody. You can exchange rhymes with anybody. But can we play together? Can we have fun together? Can, I, can we relax together? If I get a good joke, can I share with this person? And the person will not start asking me, okay, what, what, what were they saying there? <laughs> that, that's important. And the last thing that you also need to watch out for is maturity. Mm. When I wanted to get married as a pastor... It was important for me not to marry uh, a project. Please go and download the I SoundCloud. Think... Oh, Jesus. It was, uh, see, it was, it was the easiest thing to do for a pastor. Just, uh, Felicia was speaking to it the other time. Easily, as a pastor, you have that heart. Someone, oh, she's from this background. She's gone through this. She needs my support. And, all and I had people like that around me, plenty of them. Yeah. But I told myself, a lot of them, who, the person they love is Pastor Sheum. Mm. They don't even know Sheum. Most of them can't live with Sheum. Oh and I was deliberate to look for someone who can live with Sheum. Because when I get into my house, it's not pastor. It's not a church. Hello. I need someone who can be with the human being called Sheon and support the human being called Sheon to be a great pastor, mm. not another church to pastor. So maturity is very, very vital. Look for someone who, would not, who, who will not need you to be happy. If you have to be Holy Ghost for anybody, then you're already in trouble. Because it's, on, it's only Holy Ghost that can be Holy Ghost. You can't fill that role for anybody. So maturity is very, very vast. And there are different signs that you can check out to know how mature the person is. When you, if you get any kind of peace, and then you check some of these elements out, they are not checking out. I'll just say, Father, I forgive myself for, for this peace. That can turn me to pieces. Wisdom is profitable to direct. Hallelujah. Wonderful. Wonderful. I mean... Can, where is the offering? Let's give this man an offering. 
Um, I just wanted to quickly add something for the ladies in the house. So there's something that I've observed, you know, back to your lovely question about the previous generation. So there's something that I've observed. Is the camera off? Great. Okay. Um, (laughs) Control. It's called control. So I find that in our cultural context, a lot of African men, especially the older men, they really like to control things. They control things to the point that and I don't think that it was something that they realized. I think it's just the way that the culture is. And let me tell you why I'm saying so. So I speak to a lot of people who, whose mothers, for as an example, were you know, going through a lot of horrible things and couldn't leave. And they didn't have any financial independence. But their fathers are very comfortable. So they're confused. Like, how could, you know, how could my father be comfortable and my mother doesn't have any money? It's control. Because if your mother has money, she's going to leave. Do you understand? Yeah. So if you're dating a guy that looks like he wants to use remote control on you. Can you please run? Now, the reason I'm saying that is because from what Pastor Sheon said, there's something that I've realized about values. If you know yourself, right, as in you know that, let's, let me give an example. You are working as a lawyer, as a doctor, as an auditor, whatever, and your plan, you're like, oh, I can see myself in 10 years, you know, I'm going to be in this company, I'm going to be doing this and this. If you, if you have like a career trajectory in your mind and you're dating a guy who tells you that he wants fresh stew every day, I don't want to just advise you. You know what to do. Do you know what to do? You know what to do? All right. Eh? I'm sorry? Very good. You know what to do with that kind of a guy. Because the peace is a lie. Just back to the peace. Because honestly speaking, I have seen women have to quit everything they are doing. And you know what? I like honest men. Is there different thing if the guy deceived you? If the guy told you that it was traditional and he wants press to you every day, then why are you fighting it? You get, you can't fight it. The person was honest with you. So when he asks you to quit your job, don't come and complain. Quit your job. I will tell you to quit. I'll tell you to quit your job because he told you before. So I'm just saying that because I found that many women, sorry, this is mainly for the ladies. We, we create false illusions in our head. The guy is telling you that he's traditional. You're telling yourself, no, he's not traditional. He's awesome. You know, he's going to help me build my career. He's going to support me. He's going to help the kids do their homework. He's not going to do that. <laughs> His daddy didn't do it. And guess what? His mommy and your mommy might even ask you, why are you disturbing him? He's a man now. I'm just being honest too. So my sisters, please, if somebody starts with, I'm traditional, I need fresh stew every day, just depending on where you are going. It depends on your own trajectory as well. If you know that your trajectory is this way, you know which way to go. All right. So, so because we're running out of time, I'm so sorry. Um, so, Polavi has second question hasn't been answered, and then we're doing damage. See, I love you guys. Okay. Mm, absolutely. Mm. Understand. Absolutely. 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 So we'll do Falabi. Because, see, the reason why I want us to do this, Falabi, we'll do Falabi's second question. That means, and then we will pray. Because beyond all of this, prayer is very important. And I know, guys, this is why the exchange is so unique. Is because we get to have these conversations. So, in, in the next week's exchange, bring your questions yeah. and we'll tackle them. Yeah. God willing. Amen. Second, second question is a question. Has it been answered? <laughs> Happy in their marriage. Some of them seem like they're 
<laughs> yes, please. Okay, so um, I, I said for that, you were looking scared as you were asking. <laughs> okay, so um, let, let me make this quick. We don't have all the time. So um, I, I think to feel some kind of way six months into marriage, I think is normal. Yeah. Um, if you took a job in a, some companies, you will face some after a few months because you are trying to settle into something that was not part of your life. Um, I, I, so, I, so, I, so I think we have to have that understanding. Give ourselves the room to, I mean, feel a bit uncomfortable. It's, it's, you know, again, even with your best siblings and all of that, sometimes you move in with them and your kind of things are coming. Talk less of someone that you didn't grow up, up together and all of that. So. It's, a, it's normal, I, 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 and I understand sometimes people, uh, again, because of the fear that is there on a lot of people's mind, some people then go, oh, yes, they've told us that marriage is a problem. I don't know why I got, got into it. As another. So it's, it's okay, it's okay, you know, and again, part of the purpose of marriage, you know, PG says it this way, that marriage is not meant to make you happy, it's meant to make you holy. One of the best things you will get out of marriage is how it will shape your character, yeah. how it will force you to do something. You know, you know sometimes it is, I hear, Someone say, oh, me, I, I like to scatter my room. I'm just, I, don't, I just don't have time. I just put things anywhere and I just move on. It's a free life and all of that. When you get married, so you, all, the, all those little things that you're making excuses for and you just want to, you know, they will become real issues, big issues that you have to face up with and make some certain changes. They won't be comfortable at the beginning, but guess what? That is you, you come out at the other end of such changes, a shinier version, a better version, a more disciplined version, uh, someone that has stronger character. And that's, that's one of the greatest things that marriage will deliver for you. There are many things now that will not change about your life until you get married because you will not have the kind of confrontation and you will not be put in, some of the, in, that, in the kind of difficult place that will force you to make some of those changes. That's what marriage does. So if someone is in marriage, six months, feel a bit of comfortable, it's okay. It's okay. For me personally, I think one of the best advices, and we're speaking a lot about, about prayer here, I think one of the best uh, 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 strategy that the Holy Spirit gave me in my marriage was to be a dundee for at least the first three years of our marriage. I was a dumb guy. I was very dumb. I was never angry. I was your perfect guy. Never complained about anything. I remember my wife would come and me. I say, "Oh, I'm so sorry. You are you angry with me?" I said, "I'm not angry. We are not. None of us is perfect." So I was that guy, and it was an instruction that God gave me that you need to give her time to settle into this. There are many things, you know, that she was doing wrong that I wasn't happy about, but I was mute about some of those things. Now, the story is different. Now, we call her, babe, what's going on? And that's how we roll now. But it, 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 it helps a great deal because everyone comes into that kind of, because again, she was older than me, but I can confidently say I was the more matured person. So, because again, maturity is not, it's not a function of age. So, I needed to give her that room, you know, display, do all sort of kind, different kind of things and all of that, and 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 allow ourselves, you know, rooms to settle into this. And then, in the press of time, all of us are still growing, all of us are still learning, and we're all getting better. And everything we check out, so they just need to uh, allow uh, allow themselves to be imperfect. Because again, there's no perfect couple anywhere. A lot of time, when people speak like that, they, what they need to do is to speak to older couple. One of the things that really helped my marriage was the exposure we had to older couple, people like PG and all of that. We saw that when, when, we, when we sat in the room, we, we used to have couples retreat then. And when, you, when we went for our first couples retreat, it was like, eh? We thought we had issues. We are doing well. And all our issues are commonplace. 
that was, so that's, you know, because when you're isolated, you feel like, oh, dear, 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 what is against me? My marriage is a what? It's a big lie. With help, with exposure to, to knowledge and good mentoring, you can resolve all of, all of those issues. Praise God. That, that's an amazing answer. And I, I think there's one thing I want to just mention. One of the reasons why marriages, um, people tend to feel like they're trapped in marriages is because of this thing that we hear people say, ah, he has changed or she has changed. When I met her, she was not like this. When I met him, he was not like that. The truth about it is marriage is supposed to change you. And if you go into your marriage, into your relationship with the mindset that, look, this person, I'm meeting them today, they're not going to be the same way in 10 years. Because life happens, things happen. You will, you will go in with a lot more compassion and a desire to make sure that this person God. And if you go in with that mindset, it will teach you compassion. And you will not be so. Keeping the spark alive. Okay. No, me. I, what do I know about spark? I'm only here for Jesus. So, so I think that with speak, blah, keeping the spark alive, I think it's very important to listen to the other person. I think that that in marriage, I think the spouse usually starts to get, drop some hints. Pastor Sean, I don't know if you agree. Like little hints, like oh, I wish you would this, or I wish you would that, or I wish we could this. I think it's important to take all those things um, seriously and not take your spouse for granted. I think one thing that can happen in marriage is just taking the other person for granted because, I mean, it's like, we're not like roommates, you understand? But you have to listen to what the other person wants. And I think also really taking the time out to intentionally understand what the desire of the other person is and meeting that intentionally. It has to be intentional because if you are not intentional about it, it's just not going to happen because life happens. And to the previous question, I think even beyond your spouse, even your children, some of you, and we want to return them at six months. God, please, um, I want to sleep. No, that's the reality of life. We're adults, do you understand? Like, you don't get to return a baby that you're giving birth to, right? And it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with the baby. It just means that you are adjusting to a new life with the person. So, I mean, Pastor, Pastor Sheon hits it on the head. Like, give yourself time to, you know, kind of adjust. So please, give your friend that's advice. Thank you. Final words. Yes. Uh, no, because I'm so sorry, guys. I love you, um, but we're way over the time limit. Um, it's past seven o'clock, and, and I know everybody wants to stay and ask more questions, but I think it's important that we spend some time praying before we go because God is the one who helps us to. Okay, let's do your question. You know, about the older generation and I mean, I have a personal experience. And then for a long time, I was really, you know, I was really mad at my mom, mm. you know, for staying, mm. you know, in that marriage. I didn't understand it. Do you understand? Like, I could not really comprehend, but it's now, you know, it had to be like, um, like a work of healing that God had to, you know, change my mindset and understanding because she had a track record in her family. Like, they are the only ones, she's the only one of her siblings that stayed married, that is still married, you know. And I don't even think that, you know, it was something that, maybe she took it into consideration, you know, that, you know, maybe like staying for her children or whatever it is. But today, I'm so grateful and glad that she stayed. It wasn't even a matter of control, you know, that maybe because she couldn't fend for herself or anything. Maybe it's a conversation that I need to have with her that, okay, what even made you stay? 
you know, we jokingly say it and then she'll be like, you know, I had to endure all that, you know, for you and your sister because mm. I have a sister so that you won't have to go through that. Mm. And maybe, you know, like I said, maybe we need to have like a deeper conversation like, okay. But I'm glad that she made that decision because, you know, that gives me, you know, like the power that if, when I'm, go- not if, it used, to, it used to be if, but when I finally make that decision, I'm going to, you know, stay there and make it work, right? Because today, if I tell my mommy something, I don't need to tell my dad. Do you understand? I don't, I don't need to. And then my dad will call me and say, oh, you didn't tell me. I say, you should stop it. You already know. Do you understand? Because they are, they are friends, you know? So that's just, you know, what I wanted to just say. So, yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Okay, uh, final words from me. Uh, I want to challenge everyone here. If you're not in a relationship that is close to marriage, give yourself uh, a project of at least one or two years to study about relationship without dating anybody. Mm. Check out of it, dating anyone, checking anyone out, just to learn about relationship. Observe, ask questions, study about it. We take that department, which is one of the most modern departments of our life, we take it for granted. Uh, dating and marriage and relationship, there's everything else that God wants to give you will come through people. Yes. So if you do not, you have not mastered relationship, uh, you have left an important aspect of your life that you haven't mastered. There's a lot to learn. There are, you know, what ha- what's happening now is there's, there's a lot of junk. There's, there's, there's abundance of knowledge, but mostly junk. And it takes someone who is able, who is willing to invest in knowledge to get the right knowledge. There are solid books, solid people that can coach you, and all of that. But if, if for for most people, what I find is that most most people spend their single life processing the fears and doubts of marriage, and they think they are preparing for marriage, and that's the worst way to prepare for marriage. All you are absorbing are all the issues that are coming out in the media and all the fears and everybody is throwing at you. Again, marriage is not different from any other thing that you want to. It is by faith. So you need to get to a place where you are knowledgeable enough, confident enough. You have your, 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 your faith is, your heart is pure about what you expect in your marriage. You need to get to a place where even though you, have, you are not, you don't even know who you are going to marry, you can boast that my marriage cannot be anything but blissful. That's where you need to get to. But it will take an investment of time, investment in studying, in asking the right questions. If you get, you need to get coaching. Give yourself at least two years without dating anybody mm. to learn about marriage. Um, I thought Felicia would give us one. Um. I think just be true to yourself with the help of the Holy Spirit. Um, the reason I added to the help of the, with the help of the Holy Spirit is because sometimes being true to yourself might be the wrong side of yourself because we all have issues. I think take take some time to really ask yourself questions about yourself. What do you really like? You know, who are you? What do you desire? With the help of the Holy Spirit, because that really will help you when you are dating. You won't end up with somebody who is like an antithesis to who you are. Because not everybody is for everybody, right? I mean, I love what Pastor Sheung said about how Pastor Sheung is not Sheung. Do you understand? Like, that's the reality. Don't say because somebody's in church, you know, he's this. Like, really know yourself. And when you start talking to somebody, dating, get to bad decision because you're just so paranoid. And so I think really, really get to know your true self with the help of the Holy Spirit is my advice before you make that jump.
Praise God. I, I want us to pray. And, um, and I want us to pray uh, asking the Holy Spirit to help us. And this is what I mean. Many years ago, I prayed this prayer. I, I realized that by personalities and by the way I was brought up and all of that, relationship was not a good, was not something that I've mastered. I just knew that I'm, I was deficient in that department. And I was pastoring as a, as, a, I was, as a student pastor back in school. And there were all sort of relationship issues that I had no clue what to do or what to say and, and all of that. What I did was to go to the Holy Spirit. I remember that particular day and I said, Holy Spirit, you are the teacher. You are the counselor. And today I'm deliberately enlisting as a student to learn this particular subject from you. I want all of us to pray that prayer. Holy Spirit, teach me about relationship. He is the teacher. He is the counselor. I can't have the counselor on my inside. I can't have him with me, and I'm still as confused as everyone in the world. Nothing is confusing to the Holy Spirit. Nothing is beyond or above his wisdom and knowledge and understanding. I can't have the omnipotent one, the omniscient one on my inside, and I'm confused and I'm, I'm, and I'm, in, and I'm in despair and I'm afraid regarding relationship. The Holy Spirit brings clarity, it brings wisdom, it brings understanding, and I want us to enlist deliberacy. I want us to enlist deliberacy and say, Holy Ghost, come and teach me. I enlist today as a student in your school of relationship. You will enlighten my path. There's a, there's a lot of darkness in the world regarding relationship right now. There's a lot of confusion in the world. But Bible says, greater is it that is in us than he that is in the world. Greater is the light of the Holy Spirit that is in us than the darkness that is in the world. Greater is the clarity and wisdom and understanding that the Holy Spirit has than the confusion and the despair and the fear and the doubts that are out there in the world. In the name of Jesus, I want us to pray and just ask God to, to ask God to teach us. Teach us, Holy Ghost. Teach us, Holy Ghost. Lighten our path with your wisdom. Lighten our minds and our hearts with your word. Give us clarity of understanding. Lead us to that place where you've planned and prepared beforehand. The Bible says that we, 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 there's a place that the Holy Spirit, has, that God has prepared before us. Before, before we were even formed in the womb, I knew you and I ordained you as a prophet. There's a plan, there's a purpose, there's a place in God that has been preordained for us. There's a destiny that is full of bliss, that is full of peace, that is full of love, that is full of joy, that is full of fulfillment, that the Holy Ghost has created for you. And I want you to ask him to lead you to that place in the name of Jesus. Holy Ghost, we ask that you guide us. Guide our path. 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 Your word says we will disciple the world. And this is one area where we must get it right ourselves before the world can be discipled through us. Lord, we receive wisdom. We receive wisdom. We receive wisdom. We receive wisdom to dispel every confusion, to dispel every fear in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.